0: The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagon Halls, or Success Publishing International. Worried about retirement? Want to travel the world or just be around to watch your kids grow up but you can't because you're drowning in debt? Now you can! With Heather Wagon Hall's and the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Heather wagon halls here this segment of keys to riches powered by unlock your wealth radio is sponsored by audible.com get a free audio book download at keystoriches.com riches forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone Android Kindle or mp3 player welcome everyone thank you for stopping by as I said before I am Heather wagon halls your purveyor of prosperity as uh, we're apparently having amateur hour here in the sound booth as we're figuring out our levels (laughs) and try to get things right? Nothing's printed. I mean, everything, I'm I'm adjusting playback levels, but everything is going in correctly. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Not to worry. Good. That, folks, by the way, is our maestro of moolah, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And we are going to help you get your money mind right on today's show with the following great features. First off, we have a very interesting... Because based on what's going on in the marketplace today, that's why I say interesting. Uh Uh, Interesting. Well, no, it just has to do with our moolah word of the day. Oh, okay. It's interesting. It's not a very profitable one right now. That's why I said interesting. Uh Peculiar that it just happens to be the moolah or the investor word of the day for our moolah word on investor words, their website specifically. Uh, So anyway. Oh, and... um, this show, Remember Real Estate, I would like to dedicate because uh, to my friend, Mitchell John, who passed on earlier this year, um, but it's his birthday. So, we're going to honor him and celebrate his birthday as if he was still here and be fabulous regardless. Cool. Because Mitchell was fabulous. Uh, so, anyway, um, so we have this uh, honorarium for Mitchell. And uh, what key do we have, uh, Maestro? 10. Uh, remember real estate. Remember real estate. Yes, we are on our tenth key in our keys to riches financial philosophy. So I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, so um, today's show, we're going to learn about what it takes to qualify for real estate investment, and that can be home ownership. Or real estate investment. But I'm gonna give you some definitions that might change your mind about primary residences and how much money we go spending on our castles. (laughs) Uh, But it's gonna be a great show. We're gonna cover a lot of interesting things with regard to remembering real estate. We're gonna pick up sort of from where we left off in our discussions of credit. We're gonna complete the four layers of risk discussion and talk about ratios today and affordability. Because last week, we learn what it is that we need to make an ideal credit profile. Now we have to determine how close to or far away from we are from the actual first step of real estate ownership and investment. And you'll learn how to do that on today's show. Also, we have a really great uh, template for you to download so you can, it's an affordability worksheet and all you got to do is fill in the blanks, do a little bit of math, and you'll find out how close to or far away from you are from real estate investment. And then that way, once you identify that, you can create the strategy you need to get yourself to acquire that first property, because the fastest way to build wealth is to accumulate assets, and there is no better asset, in my estimation, than a piece of real estate. And we'll talk about why that is on today's show. So, uh, moolah word of the day. Moolah word. moolah word. of the day. Our moolah word is a phrase. It has three words. It is money, market, fund. Hmm. And a money market fund is an open end mutual fund which invests only in money markets. These funds invest in short-term, which is one-day-to-one-year debt obligations like treasury bills, certificates of deposit, and commercial paper. The main goal is the preservation of principal, accompanied by modest dividends. The fund's net asset value remains a constant $1 per share to simplify accounting, but the interest rate does fluctuate. Money market funds are very liquid investments and therefore are often used by financial institutions to store money that is not currently invested. So you might have heard a cash account. If you have a, an account at an investment brokerage, that's where your money sits. Likely it's in a money market fund, but don't count on it being an interest bearing account. You need to confirm. Yeah, you're not going to make th- a lot of money on a money market. It's not where you would make a killing. No. But um, unlike bank accounts and money market accounts, most deposits are not FDIC insured, but the risk is extremely low. Only those funds administered by banks are FDIC insured, but some others are privately insured. So if you're a regular chain, bank or local community bank offer a money market fund, um, then likely it would be covered. But you need to ask if it's covered under the FDIC insurance. So that's the F- Federal Depositors um, Insurance Corporation insurance. And it insures assets up to $1.1 million uh, per bank, Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think it's per bank. I can't remember. What's the money market interest rate paying right now, do you think? Um well half, half a percent. So. Why why don't we uh, why don't we find that out, yeah. Maestro? Yeah. And uh, money market interest rates. Let's see what the oracle shall tell us. Uh one point one one percent on a one year API. Huh. so it's over one percent. Well, I mean, the idea is it's preserving your wealth, um, but it is, it's, and it's supposed to be, it's less liquid than a traditional savings account, but more liquid than a full investment. Right? When you deal with the type of money you would put in there is money that you may need, but don't need right now. That would specifically be emergency fund cash. Yeah. It would be an appropriate place to store emergency fund or to store your have fun now fund because you have your have fun later fund. Yeah. You know, when you get into your tiered savings from our 3-5 uh, financial strategy and we're talking about our five areas of concern and we're talking about asset accumulation. Uh-huh. Uh, before we go to um, asset multiplication. And so places where you would want to just accumulate in cash form would be those types of accounts, money market, short-term CDs, because you've got to be willing to lock up your money briefly in order to get like 1%. So that's not even keeping pace with inflation. Uh, So anyway, uh, so our moolah word of the day is money market account. And if you haven't started your um, emergency fund, that's a great place to start is, and start stocking money into a regular checking account until you hit the minimum. Some of them have lower minimums, but they also have lower interest rates. But the $1,500, that's like the best deal um, at uh, 1.11%. That's the best one out of all of them. Capital One was only 1%, and Capital One had a $10,000 buy-in where on uh, EverBank it's only 1500 so that was, that's a great place for a vacation fund, stuff like that. And, you know, so money market accounts, they give you like a checkbook when you have one, but they limit you to only three withdrawals a month. Oh. So you've got to be purposeful in your spending. Otherwise you get penalized. So there is a, some sort of commitment. Like I said, the longer, you, the, longer the commitment, the more you make. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're willing to make a commitment on that, then that can really make a difference. <laughs> You are listening to Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. And uh, this segment is sponsored by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown for uh, Keys to Riches radio listeners by visiting our website at KeysToRiches.com forward slash KeepMyID and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. And uh, speaking of which, I was just a guest on somebody else's show and we were talking about um, what is the difference between credit monitoring and credit freezing? And it's a pretty simple difference. Uh, credit monitoring tells you --Hey, the uh, horse is out of the barn. Psst. The horse is out of the barn. Hey, you, the horse is out of the barn. Yeah. That's credit monitoring. <laughs> credit freezing. Won't let anybody in the barn. The horses, horse is safe because nobody can get into the barn. All right. So now you want to elaborate on these yes. farm terms here. There you go. So credit <laughs> monitoring is just what it sounds like. It's watching to see if any inquiries or credit extensions have occurred on your profile. Uh, and so hence the term monitoring. It can only be reactionary in nature. So, after the horses have gotten out, they tell you, hey, close the barn doors. Doesn't work. Credit freeze works much differently and has a twofold purpose, not just for protecting your identity, but it also has a way to keep you from spending, too. And so, I'll talk about that. So... When you put on a credit freeze, you let the credit bureaus know that you want to freeze your credit for a particular period of time. And so they lock down your credit, which means if anybody presents the identification and the social security number to look at the credit, it won't generate a score and it won't provide information unless you personally thaw your credit is the term that you thaw or unfreeze your credit and and permit them. To have access to it. So right off of the bat, even if your information is compromised, this is what makes credit freezing so beautiful. Even if your data is compromised, whether it was an employment application from Sony, your credit card at Home Depot, it doesn't matter. Because if your credit is frozen, nobody can do nothing to it. It's like you might have an ice pick. But if that ice is still there and solid and it's not thawing, you ain't getting through it. So that's the beautiful thing about it. How it becomes a great money management tool in addition to an identity theft protection mechanism is that with the frozen credit, you have to deliberately unfreeze it in order to apply for new credit. That includes you, not just the enemies that are trying to hack you, and so, when you are shopping at that grocery store and they say, "Hey, do you have you signed up for our red card? You could save fifteen percent off if you sign up today, and they just take your existing credit card and swipe it through because your personal information's on that. they swipe it through, and then they make a credit determination. They run your credit like right then and there, it's like instantaneous, like so way fast
1: mm.
0: and but is it in your best interest to be to be acquiring a new Red card. Yeah. Probably not. Especially because after last week's show, when we talk about quality of credit, a bank that extends a a credit card with a Visa MasterCard symbol is the highest form of credit because you can also get cash. You can convert it to cash and you can use it for cash. But department store cards are limited. You can only spend money there. And you can only spend money and take stuff. You can't get cash back. You know? And so, typically, uh, with uh, a card that's been then it's been issued by a bank, you are getting the best possible interest rate. Banks don't issue department store cards, okay? Department store cards are issued by finance companies, which means your interest rate is going to be much larger. And as an underwriter, when I'm evaluating you for a loan, and I'm looking at your trade lines, and I see you have all department store cards, and you might have managed them well, but they're all department store cards. You have no Visa MasterCard, you have no big limit, you have like 250 and $500 credit cards from every major retailer out there. <laughs> That's the problem. And then if you're like, but yeah, I saved 10% off. And I'm like, yeah, but now you just buried yourself in debt. That 10% you saved, you just gave back plus 19 more because that interest on those credit cards is like 29%. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't pay it off. And who's gonna? Yeah. Come on. There you go. So, like, why, you know, why would you have to? Because like, you know, when I was younger, in my days before I really understood money, <clears throat> even though I was a stockbroker making millionaires more money, I still thought I was rich because if I could afford a minimum payment on a credit card, then by golly, I deserve that item. <laughs> and the problem with that philosophy, not so much now because they changed the law, but back then my minimum payment was lower than the amount of interest I was paying. And therefore, every month I got behind her. More and more behind. I did that for a couple of years before I realized what was going on. I know, because then what happens is you hit your limit, and now you get the over-limit fee. And now, yeah. you know, and now you get fee upon fee. So, so you only pay the minimum payment. So the balance. So you did make a payment, but the balance the balance remains over limit. Yeah. Yeah. So now they whack you again <clears throat> with another over limit fee, and it just escalates. <clears throat> so fortunately, they changed the laws. Who who? So who was responsible? Obama or Bush? When did that change? Uh, that changed during Clinton. Oh long time ago. Yeah. Way back when. Before. Before Baby Bush. And that's a good thing, right? After Papa Bush. You think that's a good thing? That kind of regulation? I I know you're not big on regulations. I know. Um, I would say that they should maybe make mandatory, you know, credit classes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, perhaps that... that, um, once you goof up, that you have to take a class to fix things. Yeah. You know, and demonstrate your ability to repay. I mean, because that's the pu- the punishment, is that you have to pay high interest rate. The yep. cost of money becomes exorbitant when you don't know what you're doing. Yep. And it remains that way. Yeah, and, P- and kids should be educated. Right. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, underbot- underwater basket weaving is cool and all, but... Not much viability in the marketplace for yeah. that. I mean, there should that should be a, a There's required. so many useless degrees yeah. out there. Yeah. And personal finance should be a requirement of graduation. Yeah, I agree. You know, and not just how to balance a checkbook, but to, you know, I, I would love to have a college course and talk about the biology yeah. of money management yeah. because there's so much more that goes into money management than just checks and balances and numbers and red ink and black ink. So uh, it makes a huge difference. So um, this week's key in our Keys to Riches financial wellness series, uh, if we can switch gears, is on remember real estate. And I love this key. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. We hope you gain some value out of today's episode. The Keys to Riches is a financial philosophy that teaches you how to think like the rich and be in control of your own money. It also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest, building wealth while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. And we do this one key at a time, one week at a time here at Keys to Riches Radio. And uh, so we're now in key 10. So last week we did create credit and we learned about the four layers of risk. So it was character, capacity, capital, and collateral. So we will not belabor the credit piece any longer. If you would like to know more about what's included in that, you can go listen to last week's episode. The only thing that we're going to talk about is the amount of monthly obligation when it comes to our credit. That's all that is necessary for today's discussion. But I want to talk in a grander, more um, uh, macro Position first before we go micro and learn exactly what it takes um, to create affordability with real estate, and that is simply that um, real estate is any kind of collateralized investment that you can have is a quality investment because you reserve the right to to retake the property if somebody flakes on you. That's why I like stuff like that. So that's why I like to invest in cars and houses and dirt and, and real estate, because, um, because there's something there. Whether or not the market goes to heck in a handbasket, whether or not it's high or low, whether or not whatever's going on in the world, I still have a physical representation of that. In the stock market, I got a piece of paper, Right? Right. Same thing in the bond market. I got it, a piece of paper. It goes up and down, too. You know, you... That fluctuates and may or may not pay me income. Yeah. But with real estate, and here's the thing. In real estate, you get velocity of money. And, and I, I kind of have coined this term, in a way, um, to fit what I'm about to share with you. Because when I invest... A dollar in the stock market, it earns interest or appreciates whatever it does in, in the stock market at the velocity of a dollar. Right. So if I want to make, you know, $10,000, I got to put a million in Everbank <laughs> to get my 1.1% yeah, yeah. for a year, right? Right. <clears throat> But to make that same 10000 in real estate, I can leverage myself. So, so I don't have to have $1.1 to make that 10000 All I have to have is enough to leverage myself to acquire the asset. So a dollar invested in real estate has more velocity or speed or ability, mm-hmm. if you will, to accumulate wealth because a dollar invested in real estate is amplified because I can control a $100,000 piece of property for $10,000 or $20,000, right. depending on mm-hmm. the lender. So if I only had 10000 to invest, I could put it in the stock market and make whatever I make. I could put it in a money market, make whatever I make at the rate of 10000 That's the velocity. It's, it's the velocity of one. But I put that in and now I've got the velocity of 10, set the way I'm earning. And people don't look at real estate in that sense. They, they, they get hung up with this um, cap rate. Feature when evaluating evaluating real estate investments, and it's the wrong one to look at. Mm. Cash on cash is the number you should always you should always uh, look at that ratio. But for that reason alone, the velocity of money is, and the ability to take back whatever it is, <clears throat> and then you get to add in something fabulous. You Ding, ding, ding. So, not only will I have capital appreciation, I will have cash flow. Income, yeah. I'll be able to create income with this property, but that's not 100% of the answer. What's the answer? Hmm. Somebody else builds your wealth. Because... Other people's money. Exactly. They're making you rich every time they make a rent payment. Because you ferret off what you need to the mortgage company. You set some aside in a sinking fund to pay for repairs. And then you get to keep the scrape. Yep. You get the difference of that. That's yours. And so somebody else is paying a mortgage. All you had to do is take the risk put up a little money and take the risk of assuming the payments on that mortgage, but somebody else, somebody else. does the work. Yeah, and else. that's yeah. the, what's so great about real estate versus, you know, the stock market, the stock market, depending on how you play it, you know, you're going to have to be doing research and homework, yeah. finding the right stocks, making sure you have enough in. And it's almost like you have to make a killing every time. But with real estate, I just need to make a little bit off of a lot of properties. Yeah, I don't need to put all my eggs in one basket. I can be diversified, if yeah. you will. But I have a physical, tangible asset that I can go take back if somebody stops paying me. You know, and if a CEO doesn't do well in a company that I'm invested in in a stock, I can't go take back that, you know, likely it's common stock. I can't go fire him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's just, I'm limited in what I can do. Right. But... um but if I don't like my tenant, if my tenant doesn't do what he committed to do in the contract, guess what? A uh, bye now. Eviction. I can't evict a CEO by myself no. if I'm not happy with his performance. No. So, so those are the three most important reasons why I like it. Um, somebody else builds your wealth. You have velocity of money, which means you don't have to have as much to earn as much. And then... Uh, On top of that, um, you know, somebody else is building your wealth and you get both appreciation and income. Even if you didn't get appreciation, let's say the market tanked, you still get cash flow and cash is king, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So let's take a look at what it takes to become a homeowner. So we have this affordability worksheet. And, you know, I like doing things by hand uh, because it teaches us something. It builds skills. Plus, when we write things down, the brain is so fantastic because the act of handwriting is a autonomic nervous system response. It's ideomotor if you will. So once you learn how to write, it just happens. You think the letter, but you don't think about, okay, I'm drawing, uh, I want to write the letter O, so I need to draw a C, or I need to draw a circle. Uh, if I want to write the letter D, I need to draw a circle and then a stick vertically. Like we don't think in those terms, we just do it. Right. And because of that, we have lowered defenses. So this is why handwriting affirmations is so powerful, by the way. That's a little bonus not included in the price of today's show. If you'd like to know more about affirmations, my six Ps for affirmation success process, just visit our website at keys dot com and download our second key, or I'm sorry, our first key, which is acceptance and affirmation. <clears throat> I was going to say it's the second half of the show. <coughs> And you'll learn how to make powerful affirmations by handwriting them. It's so great. Uh, so what goes into an affordability ratio is um, using the three la- uh, the four layers of risk. The collateral, it's not really relevant, but the, all that is is the value of the property. And the value of the property can be different than willing buyer, willing seller negotiating freely in an open market. So we always have to remember that. If there's a uh, an overflow in the market, um, you might be able to negotiate if somebody needs to sell quickly. You might be able to negotiate for less than the appraised value. Uh, but when it comes to mortgages, only purchase price or appraised value holds. So, uh, so we get that one out of the out of the way. How much you put down depends on how much you finance. And what's left over and our other layer of risk is capacity, our ability to repay the note. And so we take those into consideration and this is what we have to look for when we calculate our affordability. We need to come up with our proposed housing ratio. So we look at the price of the property and we figure out the mortgage amount that we can pay. And that's a simple amount. Our max mortgage amount is going to be 28% of our monthly gross income. Okay, so that's before taxes, by the way. Now, you take that number, and then you multiply by 28%. That gives you your max housing ratio. So the next number that you need to pay attention to is the total debt ratio, which includes your housing ratio, and that'll be 36%. Um, It'll go to 41 if you're doing government financing, like an FHA loan or a USRDA loan. So what we do is, um, and so the spread between... 28 and 36 is only eight. So only 8% of your monthly income can go to servicing debt. And this is why it's critical to be frivolous debt-free and car payment-free because your car payment, your credit cards, your student loans, all of that stuff push up your total debt ratio. And more than likely, many people spend more than 8% of their monthly income just in payments. I'm not talking about paying off a card every month. I'm just talking the minimum monthly payment. And that's what an underwriter uses to calculate your affordability is that minimum monthly payment. It adds them all up, and it takes that aggregate number, and that's what it uses when... uh, creating the ratio of affordability and so your max or back end ratio whether it's um 36 or 41 uh that's the cap so if your total debt is greater than 8 or 12 percent guess what happens are you gonna guess um your affordability for the house goes down yeah because you can't because you can't say, well, my max housing ratio says I should be able to afford a five hundred dollars mortgage payment, but I've got five hundred dollars in monthly school debt, and I'm only allowed eight percent of my monthly income to cover that. So guess what? All of that monthly debt comes off that max potential, which could be five hundred. But if you have a lot of debt, it won't be. Yeah. That mortgage payment will go down lower and lower, And that's why, and it's simple. All you have to do is get rid of that stupid, frivolous debt. You know, financing your Ferragamos is not a good idea. And that's one of the things we have to learn. And right now we're in a critical time because it's the holidays. And so everybody wants to be blowing cash left and right. And they let their biology get in the way. So if you would like to learn more about the four layers of risk and whether or not you can afford afford a home or begin with real estate investment, please visit our website at keystoriches.com and download our affordability worksheet and you can take the and fill out the worksheet and find out how close to home ownership and real estate investment you are. And as always, for all kinds of other great content and the rest of the keys to riches, visit com. For the maestro of Moolah, Michael Terry, i Michael Terry. I'm Heather Halls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Halls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2016 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches financial wellness series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.